0: Masters of Cinema Cast. My name is Joachim. And my name is Tom. And today we will discuss the fourth quarter releases of Masters of Cinema. Any big thoughts on the releases um, before we get started into each div- individual release?
1: Um, well, yeah, I mean, I, I'm going to have a few choice comments to talk about when it comes to intolerance. Because mm. I think I'm, I might be kind of not doing myself many favours when I talk about this film. Because I have massive issues with it um i i i i've I've talked about it with a few people in the past and i will kind of go on the fact that i I wholeheartedly agree that intolerance is one of the greatest visual spectacles ever put to cinema it is i mean it's jaw-dropping and i i I didn't i didn't actually i didn't see it until a few years ago excuse me i didn't see it until a few years ago and i was kind of thinking my god this is It's so impressive just to see the physicality of the sets and all that kind of thing. And especially in relation to kind of, we're talking about it off air as well, but Cloud Atlas, obviously I was a massive fan of that and the the kind of the multi-strand narrative that was going on. And I kind of saw similarities with it and Cloud Atlas, but I would also say Intolerance is one of the most boring films ever made. (laughs) I literally have, I've, I've never watched a film and had to try fight so hard to remain interested in it and i always feel like i should love intolerance i should have like so much to say about it and obviously you can kind of go down the route of saying yeah obviously it's a massive visual spectacle it's a real kind of ambitious narrative film obviously but yeah i i I think it's one of the most dullest things i've ever seen in all my life and i hope i really really hope that when this release comes out i get this newfound love and appreciation of it
0: there's not much, like, information about what types of features will be included on that one. It hasn't been really, really pushed in terms of when it's going to be released or the covers or anything. So it will be interesting seeing how they package it. And, um, it will be either spine number ninety nine or one hundred. That or Les Miserables uh, is are the two contesting for the uh, the ultimate one hundred number. So it will be interesting. I think perhaps Les Miserables, be, uh, considering it's like this five hour epic, um, that would probably get that one hundred spine number. That big like box set release.
1: Yeah, I mean I hope so. Anyway, cause I, I love that version of Les Miserables. Yeah, um, that's uh, with winter fast approaching i'm one of the few people on earth who loves winter i think i mean i know you live in a perpetual state of winter because <laughs> you live in norway but it's it, it i love sunday afternoons in winter just what and i can literally watch epics all day long and five hours that's kind of like that's just manner from heaven for me really um hmm. especially i love the story of les Zarab. Um, i was a huge fan of the musical that came out a couple of years ago um and i, I i'd love that story i think it's brilliant and a compelling one and i've I've seen that version i actually saw it at the cinema years ago and um i think i to remember it's one of those cinematic endurance tests when i kind of got up to leave to leave i I noticed there was like half the audience were literally fallen asleep by (laughs) looking how comfortable they looked it i imagine they fell asleep quite early on in the film but yeah really looking forward to that one if it is the 100th season yeah i'm I'm pretty much down with that and i hope it gets a pretty lavish packaging as well because i'd love that yeah
0: it's a, a it's a spectacular, like epic film. And I-, I remember watching it on Hulu, uh, in the summer, I think. And it was just, uh, coming off of watching the, the musical version and watching that one is quite a jump, but it, it, it manages to get much more deeper into the, uh, the personal aspects of the film. So of the story. So I'm really looking forward to revisiting that one. And it's got a 4K restoration as well. So looks to be a great package they also tweeted out that there will be much much more beyond that um speaking about 2015 so we'll uh, touch on that one um, when we approach the end of this episode but going to the first release of the, uh, the fourth quarter releases we get uh, Fellini's iClowns it will be released on the 20th of October and it has an essay film, uh, Fellini's Circus, um, uh, about the picture from the Italian critic uh, Adriano Apra, uh, as well as the booklet. Um, and I really do enjoy this cover, actually. Uh, the, like, uh, painting of the, the sad clown looks uh, kind of striking.
1: Yeah, clowns are always mildly terrifying for me. Yes. Anyway, so I, it's. Um, I, I think I might have been. I, I probably went alone when I grew up watching Stephen King's It, and that was enough to scar me for life. And uh, yeah, I, I really like the, the cover of this, and I really like Federico Fellini films. Anyway, um, mm. I love Italian cinema from, from that period, and I've not, although I've not seen this before. Hold my hands up on that department. Um, it's certainly it's always nice. I think I'm kind of working my way. Out. I think I've almost I I almost own everything you can own by Fellini that's been put out on DVD and Blu-ray. So this would be a welcome addition to my collection, anyway. And uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to this one to, to seeing it. And it's it's always nice. But I mean, I I I think I, I don't think I'd even kind of consciously heard of this film before. Mm. I've I probably you know I've, I've looked at his filmography and I probably just hadn't paid much attention to it. But you know, 1970 as well, which I think. I'm more of a fan of his kind of 50s, 60s stuff, really. Yes, as well. Yeah, and it'll be interesting, I think, to kind of add this collection to kind of see how it holds up with the other ones.
0: I was watching some clips on YouTube and the the insanity that is Fellini in the... especially the 70s and 80s, where everything just seems to go a bit off kilter. um, That seems to suit this uh, type of uh, story that Fellini is portraying here. Yeah, I mean, it's like... um, one of my sort of favorite films is amacord which mm. i've
1: I, I, that's another one which i find it really funny as well that film and it's a nice little kind of um kind of kind of snapshot into kind of italy during that period but it's i think for a lot of kind of for people like kind of Fellini's kind of it's, it's eight and a half isn't it it's the kind of the go-to film and kind of estrada yeah. and, and and things like that and the dolce vita obviously um it's when he kind of gets into that later period, I think that's when he, I know a lot of people who kind of say, well, he just loses it and anything kind of after 1980, it's just completely bonkers and mental. And yeah, I'll be, like I said, I'd be interested to see it because, um, I, I feel like I should watch more of these types of films as well. You know, it's like, I always go, I always, I call it the the phantom menace syndrome where I I always cut myself up. I've seen that film so many times and I've seen seen films like eight and a half, like once or twice. Why, why, why do I hate that film so much? And yet I can, I, I watch it more often than other films that I should. So I really kind of, yeah, looking forward to this one anyway.
0: Okay. Um, that will be spy number 95 and Spine number 96. That will be Seijin Suzuki's Youth of the Beast. It will be released on the 27th of October and it will have a booklet. And it also states that there will be more extras to be announced uh, closer to the release date. So that will be uh, interesting. But I, I, I watched this, um, a couple of days ago and I, I realized like, after I finished watching it, I usually go on letterbox to kind of uh, write in my diary and give it uh, grades and whatnot. And I realized that I've already seen this one, but I couldn't, I can recollect it. Uh, I think, I think that I picked it up in a three film box set, that I uh, purchased when I was like 1920, I bought a Suzuki box set with this one, Turkey Drifter and um, branded tequila or something. Mm. And, I remember this was the least favorite of those three. The other three are more, the, the other two are more like, um, color, like popping out and a bit more. I enjoy the, the whole, uh, hired killer uh, aspect of those two. But this one, it was a, a decent pulpy jazz, like detective story undercover, working both sides of the, uh, I, I, I didn't. I'm not sure if he's undercover really, but it's, it's a guy working both sides of the of uh, the mafia, so playing those two up against one another, and uh, kind of that, that jazzy score that keeps the film going, and uh, lots of violence, like Bob Fosse stepping on a guy's face. Yeah, I,
1: well, I mean, I I I I own the Criterion review of for of The Beast, and I went through kind of a, a pretty big phase of loving these kind of mid '60s Japanese gangster kind of things. I yeah. kind of know what you mean when they kind of. It's like a lot of the kind of the um, samurai films, a lot of them kind of merge into one for me. Yeah. And I, I, I sort of find it hard to distinguish between which ones I have seen and which ones I haven't seen. And I sometimes get halfway through and I think, I have seen this, and I'm like, no, I haven't. And it just confused me sometimes. And I went through this massive phase of watching these kind of Japanese gangster stuff. And yeah, they do kind of like merge into one. I think kind of the one, it really takes something for us to stand out. But I remember really enjoying Youth of the Beast. Um, It's just a nasty film, if memory Mm. serves, as well, and it's that kind of like B movie type thing. And you watch them, you sort of see kind of the Tarantino esque. Where he kind of he must be a fan of these types of cinema. I can't believe that he hasn't watched any of these. And um, yeah, it's Japanese gangster. It's kind of a niche little uh, kind of subculture of cinema. It doesn't seem to get as much kind of attention really as the, the samurai stuff and. And, and that kind of people get crazy about those types of films I don't, I don't i've never really met someone who's had a kind of a real kind of affiliation to this type of cinema but i'm hmm. well up for this you know coming out i hope I, it'd be nice so i would I'd, I'd, I'd like to have it come out in a box set of loads of other ones um yeah. yeah that would have been kind of that would have been great but you know obviously if it's uh yeah you know, i'll pick it up anyway and i look forward to seeing an hd transfer of it because that's the other thing i love how these films look Mm. And i mean they they you know the wide screen film they really really they really make great use of the frames i've noticed in these and uh, it's always interesting i think when to, to watch a film you watch essentially a b movie that looks so good it's mm. sort of like where do we go so wrong and uh, yeah i'll be looking forward to it i'm
0: really hoping for a much better soundtrack uh, or like an upgrade uh, an hd sound for this one because the the version i was watching was uh, pretty crappy um and I'm, they use a lot of lot of music so uh trying to make that pop and make that even clearer that will be uh the thing that puts it over the top for me i think
1: yeah, and we we spoke about this didn't we several times before? It's that it's sound is such an important component when you're mm-hmm. kind of watching these kind of these Blu-ray upgrades, and you know, even if it's just the mono soundtrack, you can still make mono can still sound great. I mean, a um, brilliant example of that is for anyone who's got the Jaws Blu-ray, um, the original soundtrack was mono, and in it. it's included on the Blu-ray. And uh, you know, I've watched Jaws on on mono, and it's still a brilliantly riveting experience. And it's mm. you know, I, I kind of I, I like I like it when they kind of upgrade what's there, and hopefully you know do something similar with this.
0: Next up, uh, on the 17th of November, is uh, Fritz Lang's Spione. Uh, That will be spine number 90. By the way, I forgot to mention that both the previous releases are dual format, and this will be dual format as well. It has a 69-minute documentary on the film, including um, and also including a booklet with uh, an essay by Rosenbaum. So that will be interesting. But this this cover, um, I, I read some uh, disparaging uh, remarks on uh, Criterion Forum, where someone seems to really hate this uh, this type of pulpy cover. But uh, I really do enjoy it. Uh, I actually find it. Uh, kind of fascinating and it kind of makes, piques my interest to watch the film. Yeah, I I, I really like the cover.
1: It might be mm. a bit of something like Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow. Yes. That was, that was <laughs> the first thing I, I thought when I saw it. Um I like it. Those you know,
0: glasses and, I, and the, that, like, um plain outfit that he's having on, yeah. Yeah, it's mental. I love
1: it. I, I really enjoy it. And I'm, I'm on the market <laughs> at the moment for some um uh film posters mm. from my house. I'm doing a bit of kind of decorating. And I, I was thinking, God, I'd love to get hold of a print of this. It looks, and look, like, anything kind of Brit slang anyway, it always, seems, it always seems to kind of inspire people to do decent covers. But yeah, I, I, I'm loving this. I can't wait to kind of pick it up just for that cover alone, actually. so I'm
0: mm. not, um, sh-
1: not quite sure what people are talking about,
0: really. No, um, we spoke about it offline, but there will be an alternate cover where it will be an all... Uh, one side will be an all black and white version, and another side will be the uh, the yellow orange version that they released uh, on the first hand. Um, with kind of a uh, there's like blue circles in the P and O and E uh, with the yellow version. But um, I really do enjoy the the pulpy like yeah orange version. I think that one is more eye catching in my eyes.
1: No, definitely, I I'm I'm firmly in the camp. It's brilliant. So.
0: The only thing I noticed that both in Spione and also Youth of the Beast and uh, iClowns is that they have the original title, but then they have the English translation in parentheses under, or the other way around in Youth of the Beast. I'm not sure how I feel about that one, especially iClowns. It seems like kind of tacked on down on the right hand side of the corner and Spione kind of Distracts from uh, the rest of the the image. I think it probably has something to do with the fact
1: how ignorant British people are. (laughs) We just refuse to acknowledge other people speak differently from us, so it's kind of like a comfort thing. That's been my kind of rather uh, that be my kind of take on it. It's it's, it's just uh, we're quite lazy when it comes to languages um, in this country, and I think um, I think it might just be that. To be honest with you, it kind of gives some makes it a little bit easier, palatable for people. Although, Mm -hmm. where was I the other day? I can't remember. I, was in a, I think I was in a store in Manchester or something. I think that might have been HMV in Manchester. And I was kind of looking at the Masters Cinema, kind of the world cinema section. And um, it just amazes me how kind of like you can you can stand there for hours. You just don't see anyone in there looking at them. And I always want to go and they're just picking up crap films. And I just want to go over to them and say, look, buy something out of this section. <laughs> Treat yourself. You know, come on, just stop picking up, I don't know, the Hangover 3 or something like that. I, just, I think there should be cultural curators in every shop just to make to enforce these types of things on people. It really, really bothers me sometimes.
0: Every new film should be bundled with a world cinema film. <laughs> yeah,
1: definitely. I mean, it goes back to the, the ultimate, I mean, my, my ultimate kind of meltdown in a store was when there was this couple in front of me and one of them picked up Alien and, and, and he said, have you seen this? And she went, no, it looks shit. And, 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 I, and I had to interject. I was like, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to just I, I, I went to kind of like, and then these couple just stood there stunned and I was like that is one of the best films ever made I said you cannot judge it by them she was like well the cover looks really boring I was like just please just go and watch it and it's like three pounds or something I was on the brink of saying I'll buy it for you just watch it and they were kind of like sat there dumbfounded I just like
0: God come on I used to work at a record shop. Um, where we sold movies and whatnot, and I used to have the same conundrum where people were coming up and buying like these uh, teen bopper movies, and you were just sitting there thinking, like, God, why are you wasting your money on yeah.
1: this? <laughs> I know. I the one thing you're not meant to do in a shop is yes. discourage someone from buying something. But yeah, I think for the for the greater good, they need it needs to start happening because it's yeah. just insane.
0: <laughs> I was wondering if you had seen this one in the DVD version of the Master Cinema because this is an upgrade to Blu-ray.
1: I have, yeah, but it was it was ages ago I bought mm. it. Um, and I think I watched it, but I watched it in two sittings, I seem to recall. And mm. I, I remember really enjoying it, but um, I think at the time I was living in an apartment and I my ex kind of buzzing around and it was quite hard to concentrate on it. So I haven't gone back to it since, but you know, obviously the upgrade will be well worth uh, checking out. So yeah, I will, I will dedicate a nice Sunday afternoon to it.
0: Mm. It looks um, really good the the video that they posted on their YouTube channel. So uh, it will yeah. be interesting.
1: I was, I was going to say actually about the video. I'm I'm I'm, I'm enjoying the fact that they they've done that for this. Yeah, I think it's a really good way of kind of introducing these kind of titles to people. And because uh, yeah, and Criterion don't do, do it, don't they? With their kind of reasons to buy, as if yeah, you know, as if you really need a reason to buy some of their <laughs> films. You know, I mean, it's like it's a kind of reason. But no, I like little things like that. It kind of gives people a little bit of an insight and uh, yeah, good,
0: mm. good stuff all around. The next release is also an upgrade uh, to a dual-format release. It will be uh, Pabst's The Diary of a Lost Girl, uh, released on November 24th, and uh, Spine Number 97. Um, this is another German silent that um, has re- increased uh, in reputation over the years. So I'm not really that familiar with uh, Pabst films, are you?
1: I'm not at all, actually. And this is one of those ones where I bought it when it first came out on Last cinema DVD, and I haven't watched it. Hmm. so um yeah more for me really from that one because i'm about to buy the blu-ray with another, <laughs> with, another with a free version of the dvd so yeah i again I, I i he's a filmmaker i'm not familiar with at all and again i kind of I, i'm gonna have to do my phantom menace head chain uh thing on this one because uh it's like why haven't i watched more of these films you know it's it's one of those directors who just i, I don't know I, I know he did a don Quixote version didn't he um yeah, On that alone, I'd like to kind of check him out. But yeah, definitely, I will uh, dive in and uh, hopefully this will kind of open the door to seeing more of his films.
0: Yeah, I think there will be a new video essay by the uh, critic David Cairns and also a piano score by what seems to be a Spanish name, Javier Perez, the Aspeitia or something. Yeah, this is it's interesting, actually, um, kind of with silent films, because...
1: One of the things I found in the past, which really kind of... And it might have been my intolerance uh, viewing experience was hampered, Because I think I saw the Kino version of that. And the score was just like... It's like someone had pressed the demo button on a keyboard. Mm. And it was just so irritating. in the end, I put on other music. I think I yes. started listening to... Um, I think it was a Chopin box set I had or something like that. I had the complete works of Chopin. I just put that on in, over it over in the end because I thought, God, this is doing my head in. And it, the music was just so, and I know what they're trying to do They kind of replicate that kind of organ music they would have had at the time, but it just sounded cheap, awful and really distracting. And I've noticed it on a few silent films where, especially kind of ones where it's, you know, it's like gone to, um, what's it when it's like an open license, uh, public domain yeah, yeah, and you get some like low bit, kind of crappy dvd that's put out and they just the scores are just intolerable
0: hmm. and
1: um i like it when they do go back and kind of either do something a little bit new or or you know, just kind of jazz it up a little bit but just sometimes it, yeah it really 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 winds me up and makes the experience just totally detracts from what you're seeing actually i find
0: and it's interesting i've, I've done that a couple of times as well um where i find my own music to suit these silence, because yeah, some of the versions on Netflix and whatnot the the music they use is like slap on uh organ music, yeah, and it's interesting when you whatever music you put on usually at one time or another it syncs up, yeah <laughs> like out of complete coincidence, so it's always interesting when you put on like modern. Pop music or hip hop or anything to like a silent. But <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I'm reliably informed that if you watch porn
1: to jazz music, it always <laughs> it, it always it works perfectly in time. I, I'm not upset. I'm, I'm not discovered. I don't like jazz music. So, uh, but no, I, I, I've, I've um, yeah, I, I've sort of I think you should sort of tune into it really. I, yeah. I think that for me, what I found when I when I watched these silent films and put my own music on is I start not noticing the music and carrying and, and listen to, and watch the film a lot more because hmm. when it's when it's awful i'm constantly thinking this is awful when it's annoying me and it's getting my, my nerves so what i find is yeah i haven't noticed it kind of gets in time but what i found I, i'm able to concentrate a lot more on what i'm seeing and not be consciously thinking about how awful the music is yeah and it, yeah it kind of helps really but i'll be yeah i'll be interested to see what they've kind of what they've got for this it must, it's a hard job isn't it you think you've got a kind of, two hours of music just suddenly and it's constant music yeah, so sort of, it's not sort of you know it's not scores is it it's you know it's there all the time so yeah it's, it must be a massive challenge to do yeah
0: mm. uh, and the cover for this one uh looks really good as well this kind of 20s uh 20s commercial almost for it looks like a commercial for cigarettes or a book or something
1: yeah i, I mean i, I love kind of the artwork and the fonts from that time anyway yeah. so it's yeah,
0: it scored major points with me mm. The next release will be spine number ninety-eight, released on the twenty-fourth of November, and that is Raoul Walsh's *The Thief of Baghdad*. We, in a two K restoration, it will be a dual format release. And I think Eureka tweeted out Blu-ray, and Master Cinema tweeted out dual format. But um, from the uh, the cover that they released, it looks to be a dual format um, edition. So, have you seen this one?
1: Um, I have yes, and I can't
0: wait to see it again.
1: Yeah, uh, um, it's it, it's just such a great fun film. Mm-hmm. I, I I can't wait to see it again. Um, it's I saw it many many years ago. I've seen it, I think I've seen it about three times, and it's kind of gone hand in hand with like one of those kind of perfect film viewing experiences. And I actually saw it randomly in Ibiza um, a few years ago, and it was in this kind of crazy location, and it was being projected, and it had like kind of. Carpets out everywhere, and incense burning, and it was just a really sort of great fun viewing experience. They had like a kind of a huge kind of um, like a kind of a Moroccan barbecue type thing going on. There's like kebabs and stuff, and it just, it just completely worked in the kind of what they were trying to achieve. They had kind of um, this kind of. Just sort of really kind of melodic kind of dance music playing over it and things like that, and that uh, yeah, yeah, I absolutely loved it. And it, that, that was one of my favorite viewing experiences. So I'm, I'm, I might try and replicate something similar when it comes <laughs> through and uh, yeah, get some exotic food and burn some insects, but I can't wait for this one.
0: Yeah, it was one of the most expensive uh, films ever made when it, at the time it was released. And you can see it on the film that it, there's huge sets and special effects in this. Um, it was it's Quite an experience to watch that, so I'm looking uh, forward to like an HD release of this one, and also um, it would be interesting to listen to the the audio commentary, which will be by Fairbanks' uh, biographer, uh, Jeffrey Vance, I think his name is.
1: Yeah, and yeah, I mean the other one as well, as well to kind of take into kind of in account of these is, I'm always interested when you see films made on that you know when they they cost so much money in those days and and you look at the sets because it kind of depresses me. I miss sets in films. Mm. And, and when you kind of go back into it, and say, one of the reasons why I, you know, I will probably enjoy watching Intolerance again, it's just seeing the physicality of that. And it, it's something I miss in a lot of cinema. Um, I know that I think Carl Davis did a score for this as well. Um, yes. He, 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 did one of, he did the soundtrack to one of my favourite documentaries, The World at War, actually. So I'm, is that going to be on it, do you know? Yes. Um, yeah, it will. No, well, that's another reason why I can't wait to see it then, because, um, yeah, it's an audio visual treat, I think. And, uh, yeah, it's, I don't want to get all nostalgic over kind of you know, sets in films, but it's it's a dying art, I think, you know, when you can sort of, now it's all done, I've done CGI against um, green and blue screens. And I think cinema's lost something. Hmm. Um, which, unfortunately, I can't really see it ever come kind of coming back as much as it did. Why would you? you know, why are you going to build a huge set that's going to cost an absolute fortune when you can just, you know, plonk up a screen and have someone kind of add it in digitally? So, yeah, it's always nice to kind of go back and look at films like this.
0: The the two final releases, as we talked about in the beginning, that will be Intolerance and Les Misérables. There's a little information, no covers on these two, so hopefully we will see some information before we do the, the wrap up show in December. Yeah, just going quickly
1: going back to intolerance. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what, what's your kind of feelings on D.W. Griffithson? Because I I don't buy this idea that intolerance was this big apology for Birth of a Nation, and I've heard that he was actually working on it whilst he was making Birth of a Nation. So he was even kind of preempting his insult to the world. <laughs> and and think, I mean, I've always struggled. I mean, Birth of a Nation I, I, again, it's a fantastic film. But I've always struggled. I don't enjoy watching it. any stretch of the imagination you have from a kind of film history point of view, but what's your kind of thoughts on
0: it? I watched intolerance like the first hour and Mm. uh, I had to, I I noticed that I couldn't get myself through it. Basically. It was simply too much of a struggle. It's intolerable. It's intolerable. (laughs) And I, I didn't have any like reason to watch it. It was simply because I wanted to see what the first was about and it didn't grab me. So I think watching this one it will i will force myself through it and perhaps i will gain some insight into that aspect of what intolerance was when it was like a mirror image of um of the birth of a nation but griffith as a person um i don't know really much that's one thing i missed from the from the uh, birth of a nation set is like more context more information about that time and about uh, everything surrounding the controversy so uh, i'm not really too familiar with it i don't think that intolerance was made as an apology i've heard that uh, also as well uh, before so it seems that it was i don't know maybe it was just too naive and too wrapped up in his own time that when we are looking at it 100 years later we see that of course, this is racist. It's so evident. But in that time, in his context, in his social context, that was just everyday life. Maybe I think that that is probably what happened.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I just don't buy it at all that it was sort of, you know, he didn't know what he was doing. I mean, you know, this is, I mean, when you have people dressed as the Ku Klux Klan riding up and down streets to promote the film, I just can't see how anyone in their right mind can go, oh, hang on a minute. Uh, that might be a bit controversial, you yeah, know. I think this. I think it was deliberately. I think he knew exactly what he was doing. It's. Uh, I remember listening to Joe Barlow's excellent podcast, um, Cinema Slave, and he was kind of giving quite a good impassioned defence of Griffith. And I was like, one of those great times where you kind of, I, you know, obviously I really admired Joe and still admire his opinion on film. But I remember thinking, oh, i I'm have to strongly disagree on that one. So, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, it like up. I'll, I'll be interested to see it again, and if I can kind of get through it. I was going to do something absolutely ridiculous and suggest that we recorded a commentary for it, but I just thought, oh I, oh. I don't know. I don't know why the idea <clears throat> even popped in my head. But I, think it'd be, I think it'd be one of the most boring, dullest commentaries on the planet Earth. Am I might live tweet when I'm watching it or something like that. Just like, bit.
0: Yeah. Moving on to um, looking ahead at 2015. Yes. There seems to be issues with the World Cinema Project. I was kind of expecting that one to come uh, this quarter but it's being held back due to contractual reasons, I think I read, on the Facebook account of Eureka or Massive Cinema. So uh, I'm not really quite sure what the thing was about. I think uh, the Criterion cast people, they spoke about it on the recent episode, and uh, I I recollect thinking that it was one of the, the families or the wife of someone that were reluctant to give over the rights or something always annoying when that happens yes it, it's like perhaps they were speaking about the criterion box set that wasn't uh, coming but i think there were uh, there were related issues
1: yeah i mean as soon as you get into kind of films which are kind of you know tied up in kind of weird kind of contractual things you know like sometimes you know rights get signed away don't they without mm-hmm. people's permission, stuff like that i like the i really love this project and i yes. love the fact that these films are coming out and it's a little glimpse into kind of you know, films which you've never, I would never have heard of or even mm-hmm. thought about watching. So I mean, I'm all for them. I, I mean, I would love them to. it'd be nice, you, know, if you could do something like kind of an eclipse style project with them, and you know, mm-hmm. I don't know, not necessarily release them on on, on DVD, but just kind of you know, have a kind of separate little thing and release more of them. I mean, I could, yeah, it's it's great stuff. Here. It's man from heaven if you're a film fan, um, and I, you know, I hope it, the problem gets resolved and it gets released as soon as possible.
0: Yeah, I think Master of Cinema, they did it right by releasing it in smaller box sets because yeah. it's not that much of an investment buying three. But when you're buying, I think it was six or eight in Criterion, yeah. uh, that's much more of an investment. So hopefully they will uh, get the rights uh, or sorted and uh, give us some new. Because like that, um what's that called? The the Turkish film. Uh, I really enjoy that one from the volume one. Yeah. So, yeah. No, I was a big fan of that release. Another thing I read on the Blu-ray.com forum was uh, Kevin from Eureka. He hinted at or in- hinted, he asked informally if people would be up for, like, a 15-DVD box set. And, uh, yes, we would be up for that, Kevin. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Um... Uh, it didn't, it didn't uh, reveal anything more than that, but it seems like big things are coming from uh, Master Cinema. Or perhaps Eureka.
1: Yeah, it's... It's kind of things like that if you if you really... I mean, I'm always kind of... I know lots of people kind of like... Especially when they keep box sets come out and there's films that they already own within the box set and they kind of kick up a fuss that they're being forced at gunpoint to buy these things again. I, I, I love things like this. You know, if you're going to put out a quality product and it's, you know, it might be... Like the best one is that, for example, is that, that Zatoichi box set that Criterion put out. Yeah. I mean, it's quite a, a large investment, but it's like, it's just nice to have it. And you don't feel like, once you kind of break it down on a kind of Blu-ray by Blu-ray basis, it, you don't feel like you're kind of getting ripped off. And I'm all for these types of releases. I love that type of thing. And you see, and having a nice big box set to see. It's like the Bond box set. That was just, a, you know, such a nice treat to have. And uh, yeah, bring it on. I will, you know, buy it
0: day one. Yeah. we. It's interesting. We were just talking about like World Cinema Project, small boxes. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Bring on the big box sets. Yeah, bring on the bigger the better. Yeah. yeah. No, it. Well, we and, love that. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, most people, they probably wouldn't buy a 15 DVD big box set. No. But a big box set that is coming out in the early 2015 is Shower. the yes. upgrade for that one. Great news.
1: Yeah, and I'm so glad. I have been having to physically restrain myself from buying the Criterion version. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, I, and I logically thought, well, if they've, Master Cinema have already been released on DVD, it can only be a matter of time before it gets released on Blu-ray. And I'm so glad that I did wait to, uh, to do that because it's such a ball ache to get. Cause sometimes with Criterion DVD, it's a bit of a workaround for me to try and get them from buying the Blu-ray and getting it to a format so I can watch it. There's a lot of kind of digital jiggery pokery that goes, I don't have a multi-region player. Hmm. So it, it can be a bit of a pain in the ass. And just to have, I, just to have that or, without having to do any of that would be great for me. I, I, I cannot wait. I, it's, it, it seems really strange to say that I, I enjoy Showa.
0: Um, I, I've never seen it all the way through. I've seen a couple of episodes, and I really want to watch it. I have the Criterion box set, but I just haven't found time. So I think like Christmas that will be a good time to watch some miserable yeah. episodes.
1: Yeah, be, you know, get into the Christmas spirit by yeah. watching <laughs> you know, a, a massive epic on the on the Holocaust. But it's it's a fa- it's one of the greatest I, I think pieces of I don't, it's like, in the visual medium. I think it's one of the greatest works ever. That's yep. that's how highly I I think about show right. It's, it's strange. I mean, we mentioned The World at War before, but I can watch The World at War every year. It's mm. just such a fascinating um topic for me. And when you watch this, I, I, it just... For those who aren't familiar with The World at War, could you just say a couple of? Yeah, weeks? It's, it was a TV series that was on a, it was on ITV in the seventies, and it was basically the chronicle of the the Second World War. Um, it's narrated by Laurence Olivier. I did actually do an episode of it in Twenty Four Frames, class, but I actually pulled it from the thing because it was crap, frankly. Mm. And I'm going to go back and kind of do a Redux version of it with a lot more and kind of go into it. And I actually managed to speak to someone who worked on it, so I've got some you know, mm. a bit of back, more background into it. But it's it, it is one of I, I think it's one of the greatest achievements in, in television history, really. And it was it's. It's such a fascinating series because just the story behind it, when you watch Saturday night TV now, especially in Britain, it's just endless spill of crap, basically. And The World at War went out at like nine o'clock on a Saturday evening and the pubs would empty for people <laughs> to go back and watch it. That's how, you know, and it, it it's kind of indicative of how far we've fallen because it would be something, it'd be relegated to some kind of obscure channel now where it yeah. has similar things to happen. But it's it's such a fantastic achievement. And, um, it it, it seems strange to say that i enjoy it but i can just re-watch it so many times and um unfortunately it was put out on blu-ray a few years ago and it was originally kind of filmed in that kind of 4-3 frame and they kind of blew it up to 16.9 and it it was just it's, it's an abomination of a restoration that happened to it it was just such a shame i was so looking forward to the this blu-ray and i don't know why they suddenly thought they had to kind of get in there and muck around with aspect ratios to the point where you miss titles now and the tops of people's heads and they went through and obviously kind of footage that was filmed in the war was pretty grainy and horrible anyway they went through like you know did noise reduction on it and mucked around with it and it's just this horrible mess if you are going to get into it on having listened to this get a hold of the original dvds of it because was absolutely perfect how they looks and uh mm. show i think kind of belongs in that kind of category of these i mean obviously it goes into a lot more detail on, on a single topic i right? the holocaust and um it's just one of these things i find endlessly rewatchable it's endlessly fascinating to me
0: mm. and we're also getting the the last of the unjust the follow-up that landsman made that was released in can earlier this year so yeah that's that will uh, be a interesting double feature because <laughs> that had not even shown up anywhere no. to, to see as far as i'm concerned so
1: that'd be yeah nice, a nice little kind of add on there and what, what's so brilliant about show as well it, it doesn't it doesn't use any archive footage it's just,
0: just off, what contemporary footage.
1: yeah and, and things like that and it's still so compelling and especially if you've been to some i mean i've been to um auschwitz and birkenau and places like that and uh i don't think you need to see the older footage you can just go there and see for yourself and your mind kind of fills in the rest of the blanks and it's not a very nice place it's not a very nice place mentally to be but mm. it's certainly i think it's 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 such a compelling part of human history that I think it deserves to be watched.
0: Another film that is coming to Master of Cinema is Tokyo Tribe. I've only seen the, um, the trailer for it. And I spoke to James Marsh, a previous guest on our show, and he said that it probably plays better at two minutes than at two hours. It <laughs> seems, oh, really? uh, seems to be going at like 11 the entire time. Right, I've not seen
1: it, so I, I don't know enough about it. Um, but obviously, you know, I'm very,
0: I'll be, I'll be interested to see it based on yeah. what he said. <laughs> um, another film that might be joining is the um, like swordplay uh, film from Hong Kong, a Chinese martial arts film uh called Dragon Inn. Um, they tweeted out that it was playing at the. BFI London Film Festival this October, uh, and it had a coming soon uh, hashtag. It might be joining, but um, we're not quite sure yet.
1: Again, I've not
0: seen it, so I Never can't. Never heard comp- of it. No.
1: Yeah, no, it's a complete mystery to me. So I will, uh, I will let, I will wait until it
0: comes out and make my mind up then. Yeah, we were speaking about multi-region, and one player I re- really like to you know, pick up is that Upo that has come out. Uh, It seems like they are selling on Amazon. They are selling these um, upgraded versions that are playing multi-region Blu-rays, but it's quite expensive. I think it's like six hundred quid.
1: Yeah, you can get actually on. I was looking at. I was thinking about getting a multi-region player, and you can get on Amazon. I can't remember the name of the company, Um, but you can get multi-region players now for about a price point of about three hundred pounds. And if you buy the, if you bought the Blu-ray player. That was that they've been upgraded. They're about two hundred pounds. So you're paying about a hundred pounds extra mm. to have the upgraded um, to multi-region, and it's it's always a tough one because I think a lot of them, if you do, if obviously a lot of these things kind of try to update by themselves. I think sometimes I know somebody bought one and it updated itself, and then it wipes the ability to play region things. And you have uh. to kind of go back and get like various hacks. So I don't think it's as simple as just putting the disc in. I think you have to kind of put things in the code, but. Um, from what I've kind of read, lots of them do work, and I'm, I'm so sorely tempted to do that.
0: Yeah. What are you using for playing uh, Blu-rays now?
1: I'm, I'm actually just using a PlayStation 3 at the moment. because yeah. I gave, I, When I moved house, I, I realized I had like three Blu-rays. None of them were 3D Blu-ray players or anything like that, and I just thought, you know, I just gave them away to people. Hmm. Um, and once I've sort of completed the home cinema, I'm going to buy a new Blu-ray player, and that's why I was thinking about getting a, a multi-region. But I mean, I think PlayStation, of all the Blu-ray players I've ever owned, I've always found the PlayStation 3 to have the best picture.
0: Oh, I haven't really tried anything else. I've used the PlayStation and um, the Sony external Bleedy uh, Blu-ray player for my uh, Mac, uh, where yeah. I play my Criterion. But one issue I have with the PlayStation is that it, it is quite noisy. That fan yes. is um, quite annoying sometimes.
1: Yeah, it's a bit of a pain, but... Um, I, I sort of, yeah, I've always found it to be a perfectly good uh, Blu ray player. Um, I think the one I was looking at getting is a new, a new Panasonic one that's come out, but I'm, it, it's one of those where I, if if someone put a 500 pound player and you didn't know that it was 500 pounds and put a 200 pound player on, I, I, I I'm not convinced the picture quality is going to be that much different. Mm. I don't, and I, I certainly don't buy into this thing that you need ridiculously expensive cables as well. I think, you know, HDMI, normal HDMI cables job, but it's, it's, it's how far down the rabbit hole you want to go, doesn't it really of kind of technical kind of expense and these yeah. upgrades. But I mean, there's so many, it's like, I mean, my brother's got a, a very like 60 pound player and I, I saw it at last Christmas. It looks great. You know, it still mm-hmm. looks look brilliant. So yeah, it's a, uh, strange one i mean I, I um the other one as well I, I find the only thing i would say about the, the playstation 3 um was that i thought the 3d blu-ray playback on that was exceptional and i've compared it on another blu-ray player that was cost a lot more and i would actually really take it i i actually thought the and it was the same television as well as my one mm. and i actually thought the playstation could have outperformed it in that mm. department
0: as well so interesting i know that the playstation 4 they have upgraded their software now so you can play 3d blu-rays finally Uh,
1: yeah why wouldn't that come out straight away that's the most bizarre thing i don't
0: understand (laughs) a final thing i would like to discuss is that ever since master cinema they changed their website and they relaunched it uh, and got a new store and everything prices seem to have gone up like a pound or two have you noticed that one because uh, like the Fellini film, it's fifteen pounds. Suzuki film is fourteen pounds. Usually they were released about eleven, twelve, maybe fourteen, but that was uh, exceptional. Yeah, I mean, I
1: it's it's a strange one because I I mean I pre-ordered the the Eye Clowns on Amazon. It was twelve pound fifty, and I'm not yeah, obviously I'd, I'd rather buy them off that. But I mean I've, I've noticed like um, Spione is twenty pounds. To buy on Amazon, and normally kind of these criteria I'm sorry, these Master Cinema kind of yeah, the price points, yeah, between thirteen, fifteen, you know, and if you wait a bit, they kind of go down in price to like nine pounds, eight pounds, especially on Amazon. So hmm. I don't know. I mean, perhaps it's just they're more expensive to get the rights to. I don't know. Or they're spending more on the restorations. It, you know, yeah. it, it's you it's It's not. It's not enough to put me off. No, I mean, no, if, no. if it was like if it was like ten pounds difference, I might be like, well, come on, you know, I might wait. I might think about waiting until they come down in price or waiting for sales and things like that. But perhaps we're constantly told the economy's getting better so perhaps you know, <laughs> because we're all, our newfound wealth that uh you
0: know
1: they might be going up but yeah it's it's one of those isn't it i mean it's as long as it's not ridiculous price increases i'm quite happy to kind of carry on
0: yeah i agree it's like a pound or two it's not it's not much and if it's going to master cinema in helping their more restoration. so
1: exactly i mean this is it i think it's kind of part of the it's part of the joy I find in, in doing these films. If that by buying these I think you are in a way you are contributing in some ways to making sure that we kind of see more world cinema films or getting these better restorations done. So it's kind of like an investment I think in film. That's how mm-hmm. I that's how I justify it. Well not that I need to justify it to myself <laughs> what I spend my money on, but it's how I feel about it. And I sort of think to myself, Yeah, this is it, it's not you are not you're not just putting money in um, Rupert Murdoch's pocket, are you? With, no. it, it's it's yeah, this is made by people who love film so kind of yeah doing that I think, yeah we're making a small part in the, the continuation of getting these great releases
0: out making the world a better place exactly
1: yeah so we're, technically by buying master cinema film <laughs> you're saving civilization as we know it that's yes. so yeah, that's how you need to look at it so.
0: and with that we'll uh, wrap up this episode where can we find you on the internet
1: um you can find me at 24 frames cast dot uh, blogspot dot com. You can find me on Twitter at twenty four frames cast, and um, of course you can always befriend me on Facebook. My picture is a pee. It's in fact it's um, from my profile picture. Is two people dancing from eight and a half Fellini's films. So, uh-huh. Not that there's many Tom Jennings in the world, I hope. <laughs>
0: um, you can find us at cast uh, at gmail.com uh, and moccast.blogspot.com You can follow us on Twitter uh, at moc underscore cast and you can follow me at t-h-j-o-a on Twitter, choa. So, uh, thank you for listening and until next time, goodbye. Bye.